the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Look, as I get older, I'm getting tired of hearing religious foolish talk that does not address the deepest need of the heart and soul. I have needs, and you have needs, and I want my needs to be met when I come to church. Things don't have to be perfect in church for me. What has to be here is the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God. It's the reconciling power of the Savior. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the peace of the gospel of God. It is today's Reaching Your Heart. I'd rather have a whole lot of grace and peace in my life than just a little added here and there. And so Peter says, may he multiply it to you. May he make that exponential curve go up and out of sight so you can know that you are saved. It sounds like Martin Luther King Jr. here. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Peter says, may grace... And peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You know, it's no accident Jesus said in John 17, 3, that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. We need the knowledge of God, which is the gospel of God, the truth that sets us free from hatred, that sets us free to live for God, that places us on eagle's wings to live forever. The knowledge of the gospel of God brings peace into our lives. John agrees with Peter here and affirms Paul as well. Look at 2 John 1 verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace be with us. Not just me or you, but with us. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I want peace, but I want to have a lot of love and I want to have truth as well. And that's how we get it. Some people say the gospel is in Paul. You ever hear that? You say, well, you know, Paul preached the gospel. It's in the gospels, yeah. But that prophecy stuff, it doesn't have much to do about the gospel. Now, there's some people saying that in our own ranks. And they show that they're utterly ignorant of the scriptures when they teach this kind of thing. Because there's no difference in the book of Revelation than there is in Paul, Peter, and John. The gospel moves throughout the entire Bible. And it is brilliantly proclaimed in the book of Revelation. Look at Revelation 1 verse 4. The introduction to the book of Revelation is Pauline in the sense that it's about grace and peace. John, he writes, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you. How does it read? Grace to you and 
and peace from him who is and who was and is to come. The title for God the Father, the Pentecrator, the Almighty, the holder of all things. From the seven spirits who are before his throne. The word seven here in Greek means complete spirit, the entire spirit of God. That is the Holy Spirit, like the menorah stick, the seven lights that burned upon it, one candlestick. The Holy Spirit pictured as seven spirits. And then the third person of the Trinity, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, that means martyr, he died for our sins, the firstborn of the dead, and then the text continues, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who... Now, what's the tense there in the verb? Past tense or present tense? Does it say to the him who loved us or loves us? Hey, friend, Christ didn't just love you at the cross. He keeps on loving you all the days of your life. To him who loves us. Now, here's what he did in the past. And it's rooted in time as the great objective fact that you can plant your future on and know you're okay with God. He has freed us from our sins by his blood. That makes me shiver because that is the truth I need when I face the specter of my own failure. I need to know that what Christ did was good enough that it got it done and he keeps on loving me in light of what he did. So most of the New Testament epistles are dominated by the introduction of grace and peace from God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's good news in and of itself. That is what permeates the message that the world needs most dearly. Friend, God has not placed you in this world to be at war with God. God has not so determined that your life must be a tragic motif so that you will not have the peace of God in your life. God has not placed burdens on your life that should take away the peace of God from your life. God is not content for you to learn about this fact or that fact in the Bible and yet miss the great truth of the Bible that God in Christ has reconciled you to himself, that God in Christ has made peace with your sins, that God in Christ has come to you with grace and peace. Friend, it is the will of God for you to know that there is love for you in the heart of God. You know, as I get older, I am getting a little older, not much, just a little bit, Yeah, you're laughing. That makes the preacher feel real good. I'm just kidding. Look, as I get older, I'm getting tired of hearing religious foolish talk that does not address the deepest need of the heart and soul. I have needs, and you have needs, and I want my needs to be met when I come to church. Things don't have to be perfect in church for me. What has to be here is the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God. is the reconciling power of the Savior. A place where I, every week, can find Jesus a little closer, and others can too, and that's what it's about. The rest is commentary. But you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect, does it? What has to be here is the Son of God. Where two or three are gathered, there the Lord is. So I'm tired of religious foolish talk that doesn't get to the heart of the problem. Friend, God did not send Jesus to this planet to make us all smart theologian types. 
That's not why we come to church, to have a forum of seeing how smart we can look to everybody else. God did not send Jesus here so we can be more correct than someone else in another church. That's not why we're here. And God did not lead his son to the cross so we can be cross with one another and at war with him in a bellicose kind of way of religion, acting religious, being argumentative, that does not feel, that doesn't care, that doesn't have the heart of God beating in that religion. God sent his son to love us and thereby to pour the Holy Spirit on us so that by the gospel of God, we could learn to love and thus keep his law. God sent Jesus. You know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You cannot get better than that verse. It captures the first angel's message of the apocalypse, the everlasting gospel. It is the core and content of what will become the third angel's message in Revelation 14 because the everlasting gospel will be linked with the Sabbath truth at the end of time. Why? Because the Sabbath is the sign and seal of the everlasting covenant of God's law, the promise that gave us the gospel, that gave us Christ. And so the gospel is a gospel of rest and of peace. And so we cannot separate Jesus from what we need. This morning I want to focus on how to get that peace of God that comes only through the gospel of God. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another to make it very clear. And I would first like to start in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, which spells out the gospel of God in the plainest terms. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, Paul is writing here, he's being very clear and direct. Now, I would remind you, brethren. You know, there are times we have to be reminded as to what is the most important thing in church. I would remind you, brethren, in what terms I preached to you the gospel, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are, how does the text read? You're saved. In other words, if you hang on to the gospel, you are saved. Not maybe, not could be, definitely saved. I like that. You know, I don't want to go to church and be lost. Do you? How many want to be saved? I mean, practical here. Want to be saved? I want to be saved. All right, by which you are saved. Now, here's the condition. If you hold it fast, unless you believed in vain... So it's possible to let the gospel go. It's possible to trade it for something cheap, philosophical, it doesn't work, something that's engineered by men. Dear heart, don't do that. Hang on to the gospel. So here Paul teaches us that we are saved by holding on to that gospel. The church here is in the business of preaching and teaching the gospel because the gospel of God is the only way for men and women to be saved. What good is church if you don't get saved in church? What good is religion if you're lost and you're religious? So the early church received the gospel with a grateful heart. They said, thank you, Lord, for the gospel. They stood for the gospel with courage. They died for the gospel. And they learned that they must share the gospel so that other people could be saved. They weren't static. They were active. It wasn't about their needs being met once they found Christ. It was about sharing Christ. And they held it fast. And it's that basic. We must hold on to the gospel and share it with others. Paul says all that in two verses. And then in verse 3, he tells us what the gospel is so there will be no confusion in the church concerning the exact nature of the gospel. Now, we have all kinds of theories out there as to what the gospel is. You have the satisfaction theory in theology. You have the moral influence theory, which is very popular, especially in the medical community. 
But friend, you know the only gospel that saves you is the one he's getting ready to tell you about right here because it's very clear, it's very direct, and it's life-transforming. It is so simple and yet so profound, and it is what the world needs. Verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. Now, when something is of first importance, it means you better not make something else more important than that point. This is where it's at. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now, that statement's critical as well. He's saying, I didn't come up with this stuff. I didn't engineer this stuff. I didn't go to theology school or rabbinical school and learn this. I got this from Christ. This is what it's about, the first and most important thing. Now, what does the Bible say next? That Christ died for our sins. Let that just come into you. Here are your sins the great barrier that would keep you from eternity. God cannot set aside his holy law. God cannot just be soft on sin and say it doesn't matter or the universe would fall apart. So how did he do it? He came in Christ. He dealt with every single sin we have ever committed in the mind of a human being. As Christ became the sin bearer, Peter says that he bore in his body on the cross our sins. Now, sins aren't some static, you know, idea out there. You know what they are because you can remember them. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. They bother you when you think about them. Friends, they went through Jesus' mind one at a time from Gethsemane to the cross until he had lived the entire life of the human race from Adam to the end. And when he was done, he had atoned for it. He had dealt with it. He had made it his own so that we would not be glued to our sins. That's why the book of Revelation says he has loosed us from our sins. He has disconnected us from the psycho-identity of what those sins are in our memories. Why? Because Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. The Bible teaches this. And I will never tire of teaching this because it's the heart and core of the Bible's teaching. Paul states that this is numeral uno for you and me in the gospel of God. The most important truth for your life, period, is right there looking at you. The core fact that God uses to save you, that keeps angels from sinning. Now look, angel perfection was not enough to keep the angels from sinning. You know what? You know what keeps them from sinning? We have been told by the hand of inspiration it is the contemplation of the cross of Christ that keeps sinless beings sinless. We need the cross of Christ. God forbid that we should glory Seventh-day Adventist Christians in anything but the cross of Christ by which the world has been crucified to us and us to the world. And our prophetic proclamation must flow out of what Jesus has done for us in the world. The core fact that God uses to save you and me is a good truth. It's the solid truth. We cannot improve upon it. But if you hold on to it with a sincere heart, you will be saved. Not might be saved. You will be saved. Your children will be saved. Your family will be saved. 
The second and third part of the gospel, they follow after the first in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 4. That he, Jesus, was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So look at it. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ here is identified as the content of the apostolic gospel of God. So what's going on here? We know Jesus died for our sins. That's the most important piece. He took our place. And don't let anyone talk you out of that and say, oh, that's pagan. It's not. Because God offered himself in Christ. He didn't offer someone else. He satisfied his own sense of justice by suffering for us in Christ. He didn't put someone else out there to suffer. Jesus died for us. Romans 4.25 Christ was put to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Romans 4.25. Now, just look at this verse. He was put to death for what? What does it say? Now, that agrees with 1 Corinthians 15, doesn't it? He was raised for our what? Justification. So we have the two key point components here. The Greek says literally he was handed over for our trespasses. The Greek word is paradidomi. It's used three times in Romans 1. And when it's used there, it means that God handed people over to the consequences of their sin. And it's defined as the wrath of God. So God's wrath is defined by Paul as him handing people over to the choices they have made, the sinful outcomes they have made. It's not passive, as some would say. He actively hands them over to their sins, and thus they bear what they have chosen. That is the wrath of God. So here's the point. Christ was handed over not for his trespasses. He was handed over for our trespasses. You see, the wrath of God, which is God's judgment on sin, his righteous love for good, his hatred of evil, did not fall on us. It fell on him. He chose that so we could be separated from the outcome of our sins. He was handed over for our trespasses. Now, what does the next phrase say? He was raised for our justification. Now, that word justification is a very important word in the Greek language. It means legal acquittal. Christ was handed over so that we could be legally acquitted, declared not guilty. I don't know about you. Every now and then I mess up. You can say amen. It's all right. I do. My wife is very careful to make sure certain things happen right at the house. If I don't get my vitamins in the morning, sometimes I willfully disobey because I don't like the taste of them. You ever done that? She says, honey, you have been disobedient about taking those vitamins. And you know, you feel like uh, not too good when you do that. Or if you leave your socks out. Gentlemen, you ever leave your socks out? I think I'm the only real man in this whole place. I leave my socks out every now and then. She said, honey, pick up those socks. Oh, I'm so sorry. Now, how many of those I sorries do we have in life that are small? A lot, right? But every now and then we have a huge alley, which is big. I really did mess up. Friend, God has in Christ forgiven us and declared us not guilty if we have Jesus. Now, that does not mean that it's okay to sin. But let's affirm the fact that we are justified, declared not guilty because of Jesus. Romans 5.1, the outcome of this, what flows out of this fact? You see, when God declares us legally acquitted because Christ died for us, he is then raised for our acceptance, our justification, our legal acquittal. What is the outcome in our life when we have faith in Christ? Here it is. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, What is the tense of the verb, past or present? We have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace is not the outcome of your life. Peace doesn't happen when all the answers are in place. Peace doesn't happen when you're sanctified enough to have it. Peace happens when you have Christ. And in the journey of having Christ, you will be sanctified. But peace is with you on the road of justification because you've been legally acquitted. You've been brought close to the heart of God by the gift of Christ. Now, this is what the Reformers taught. Some people say, well, you know, we stand for the Reformation. Then they teach something other than what the Reformers taught. The Reformers taught that we are saved by faith in Christ alone, and they would not surrender that. They went to the stake and they died in the flames for that fact. And we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians must not surrender the fact that Christ and Christ alone is our righteousness. By faith we attain it, not by works. That was the heart and core of the Reformation teaching. It is for us to affirm as well that therefore, Romans 5 verse 1, is based on the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he was raised for our legal acquittal, our justification, our acceptance. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is Lord and Savior in your life, when you believe and you really do have faith in him, not the fake kind of faith that often finds its ways in the churches, confidence in him as your Savior, you are justified by faith, not guilty. You know, pinch yourself. That means you're off the hook. It does. It means you don't go to the judgment day. It means you don't go to the flames of the glory of God, which will interact with every person's sin at the end of the millennium. No. It means you go to glory, you live with Christ, you worship, you become a child of eternity. The Greek has a very special nuance. It literally says being justified out of faith. And the source of the faith that justifies is Jesus, the faith of Christ. It's affirmed in the book of Revelation. Whatever faith we have, friend, it comes from him through him. It is a gift of God, and thereby we grow up into that faith, and we grow in faith. His faithfulness saves us, and his faith creates in us the faith that hangs on to him. So when a man or woman puts their weak faith in Jesus at the beginning of the journey, that man or woman cannot be lost in Jesus. It is impossible. So verse 2 flows out of this fact established by the faith of Jesus. Through Jesus, that means in Jesus, we gain a lot. We receive things of supreme importance we would not receive otherwise or have attained in life on our own. Peace is the first one on the list in Romans 5.1, and grace follows soon after. Romans 5 verse 2, through him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. You see, God has always been gracious. But the trick is to get us connected to it. Our connection to the character, the grace, the love of God is through Christ. Very clearly stated. Grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord His Son. As Christians, friend, God has not called us to fall away from Him. We are not set on a course that requires that any or all of us fail. Our life purpose is not to end up on some tragic tale that ends badly and so people can say, oh, poor saint, he tried hard, but he didn't make it. That is not what God is doing here. Our life purpose is to know God, to be found in Christ, to be transformed by his grace, and to be held by the power of the one who says not guilty in Christ. Paul has moved here from peace to grace, and thus he says we rejoice so there's a valid response to the gospel. We don't just sit and we think about it. No, we respond with the heart, not just the head. He says we rejoice. Not you and me alone. You know, not one person saying amen, but everybody. Why? Because we have a whole lot to be thankful for. The gospel has a social dimension. It brings us together where we rejoice, not just you and me. 
Paul says we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. You see, the gospel is not just about you getting to heaven. It's about helping others get there with you. It's about living with men and women in eternity who found Christ like you, that you showed kindness to, that you prayed for, that you worked for, you helped their children go to school or whatever. And so we gather around the throne and the Lamb will be the glue that holds you and me as one family for all eternity, us with Him in glory, not just me or you. The gospel of God brings the good things of God into our lives, not just mine or yours. It transforms character because love, faith, peace, and joy affect Christian character. And the hope we have helps our faith to hang on to Jesus and God through any trial that seems hopeless. You ever had one of those? Really roughed up by circumstances? The gospel gets you through it. Romans 5.3, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Why? Here it is. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. We live in the age of the Spirit because of the gospel. The old age of fear and isolation has ended. God has brought the deepest part of God into us through faith in Christ. Boom. Endurance, character, hope, God's love. How do we get them? Because the Holy Spirit is here now. The gospel of God that is the gospel of peace is God's way of pouring the Holy Spirit into our sinful hearts that are so naturally afraid of Him. That's why we need the gospel, not a gospel, the gospel. Because the Spirit is the Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Dear Heavenly Father, it is well with every soul that believes in Jesus as Savior. It is well with our souls. Thank you. May you bless the people of God in Christ and not without Him. And Lord, may we be about the business here in helping to save souls that Jesus died for. Because this church is not about us, it's about them. And thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.